0: Chris hello everybody and welcome to the 159th edition of the uh frank and stan chat and it's the last chat of the academic year and i'm delighted to say somebody i've known for a very long time uh chris murphy is our guest this morning hello chris hi how Thanks do we how, well it's been a pleasure how, how how do we know each other
1: so i am friends with your son dom uh, we went to school together and uh, still friends 23 years later.
0: And we're well, you're off to see the Test match on Saturday. I'm off to see it tomorrow yes. as part of a stag weekend um, yes. <laughs> for, for Don, who's getting married at the beginning of September. Um, but that's not the reason we've got Chris here today because um uh, Chris's route through school was slightly different to many of his friends and he'll tell you a little bit about that. But also, I think you run a... Well, you're a, a managing director, and uh, I think is that correct? Yeah, yeah? just tell well, us. I'm about a, I'm a
1: direct, director, director of one no, and, yeah. and, and CEO <laughs> of the, the the startup. Well, I can. I'll I'll explain. Okay, that, I suppose in more detail. Yeah,
0: yeah, great. Um, Stan, I think you're poorly this morning, aren't you?
2: I'm suffering from man flu. I think it's called. Isn't yeah. it? Uh, I'm sponsored by Lemsip and Bush Mills Whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, we haven't had any adverts. We don't normally we don't monetize this show, but we're happy to accept yeah. sponsorship yeah. from any of these companies.
2: Particularly Bush Mills, if they're listening and have to send some free samples. I'm quite happy. Certainly it certainly adds to Lemsip if you uh, just tot it up a little bit.
1: Yeah.
2: And and Chris you well. Chris, you're not hundred percent are you
0: this morning?
1: No, I've um I've come back from holiday. I was in Malta last week, and uh, I, I'm full of the the cold from air-conditioned rooms and cars and planes that you you tend to pick up when you when you go away.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, just as if it, 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 it's <laughs> not scripted, but <laughs> just at that point,
1: right on cue, yeah. At
0: the right moment, <laughs> right. Um, okay, well, uh, quite an interesting. I mean, it's been a hell of a academic year um and we're really grateful for the guests that have joined us um but it's uh, sort of probably time to sort of just consider what a tumultuous year it's been but um we probably won't do that today i think we'll save that up for uh, when we come back in september but uh, stan what's caught your eye this week
2: um a bit of maths really um i wasn't all keen on everybody doing maths till 18 until i saw the headline in the daily express this morning that said prices must drop now inflation has fallen and clearly there's a misunderstanding of what inflation is it's like saying right i'm not accelerating as quickly in my car as i was doing before so the speed should drop yeah i'm not in reverse yet but you're not going at at a rate as fast as you were before. <laughs> and I just and this has come from, from Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor of the Exchequer. So if we don't know basic maths, that inflation is the rate at which things are rising, not mm. the price, then there's something wrong. And I saw a survey, I don't know the validity of the survey, but 30% of people who answered the survey thought prices would drop if inflation was halved. And that to me is the bit that say, right, okay, I give up defending people not doing maths to 18. If 30 percent of the country don't understand what inflation is, then we definitely need some maths. I think also, to be fair, the prime minister said he would put more money in people's pockets by halving inflation. Again, not quite sure how that works.
0: And he he apparently has got a a master's, an MBA from some sort of. American University and what have you you know I mean I think it's in a way there's something here isn't there about what sort of maths people are taught at school as well you know I mean I I, I would have thought there's a really interesting lesson about how do we calculate inflation
2: probably isn't thought
0: of as a maths
2: lesson but could easily be sort of a very relevant lesson for all kids for sixth form say um, a, a study of a piece of work that's on practical maths. Yes. You know how does a mortgage interest rate work? How does how does you know payments to the bank work? All that stuff, which would be interesting and also useful maths, as opposed to you know when I fell out of maths um, at A level when they introduced i, which was the invisible number, which was the square root of minus one. And at that point, my head sort of went right. This is now going going <laughs> a bit mad.
0: And Chris, that might be the reason why it was perhaps a good idea not to study maths.
1: I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and I think I think you are right, though. I think the uh, the practical application of of maths and and things in in general it's um, it should be that's things like that should be taught at school.
2: I mean, you... I, I had a friend. Just sorry, Frank. Richard, I had a friend who had his own business, and when he sold his business, he was in his sixties. He said to me, "Stan, what what do you know about tax?" So I said, Well, what do you mean? He said, Well, how much how much is tax? And I said, It's about 30% of your uh, your money goes in stoppages, your wages. He said, I've never had to do that.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, as a as a business owner, you uh you do become reliant on accountants yeah. and you still should know the basics. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So he'd arranged that this company that bought him out were paying his wages. But he based it oh, really? on, on, on virtually a cash hand sum. So it was thirty percent less than what he thought he was. Yeah. And again, it was that complete ignorance of somebody who'd run a very successful business for a long time and just didn't know the implications of, of uh paying tax.
1: I mean
2: I
0: mean, Chris, your your business, you know, this sprinkler system. <coughs> Sorry. Just explain what you, you know what that is before I ask you the question because people wonder why is he talking about sprinkler systems so why am I going to talk about sprinklers?
1: Uh, so I did an apprenticeship when I left school um, in uh, well four or fire sprinkler company um, which is where my kind of career path has has gone from there so I I mean, do you want me to go into the detail now? Yeah,
0: just now? tell us. I've the question stored up in my head anyway. So that's Yeah,
1: I, um, so <laughs> I left school at 16 and I really didn't know what I wanted to do um, with myself, um, whether or not it was going to college or doing an apprenticeship. Um, in my family, like so my brother, my older brother and my dad, they were kind of pushing me down the route of like doing an apprenticeship because that's what they did and i was interested to kind of find out more about it but it wasn't something that i was set on um we i you know i did the the college open days which i actually went with with frank and don um to kind of see what subjects were you know what what was different from school what what subjects i could do um and there wasn't really when I sat down to kind of I don't know tick off the sheet that said I want to do this I want to do this there wasn't really anything that I had a passion for or um you know was was 100% committed to what I wanted to do and when I spoke to my dad about it he kind of steered me away from you know some of the um so some of the more extravagant courses, such as archaeology and things like that, that he was like, you're probably never going to get a job in that if you if you continue studying that, which it, it might have been the case. It might not have been, but um I suppose that's one of those things. But yeah, so I, I ended up asking him if he had any um, apprenticeships available at his company. Um, he said he did in design, which was designing of the fire sprinkler systems, um so I went and met with them they basically said to me what do you want what do you want to do and I said I'm not hundred percent sure but dad was a quantity surveyor I said I'm quite interested in becoming a quantity surveyor um they said well if you do an apprenticeship in design you can potentially move over to quantity surveying once you've um once you finish it your, 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 your apprenticeship so I decided to go with that and you know there was at the time it was the decision was different i suppose to to most people my age especially in my friendship group you know they um, all went
0: to university didn't they i think they went everybody to college, yeah, I, I
1: think areas. i think everybody went to college um definitely and then i'd say at least you know 80 90% went to went on to university um even Steph, my wife who who i knew who have known from school she said it was weird that you didn't go to, she always said it was weird that you didn't go to college and it was weird that you didn't go to university because in her family, they were always taught from a young age that you go to college and you go to university. Um, and yeah, I, it, it it was, yeah, like I said, it was one of those decisions that, um, because I didn't really know what to do, it was it was a fairly easy um decision to make and they effectively they you know they, they kind of dangled the carrot of having things like once you finish your apprenticeship you, you know you'll get a company car and I was like well okay the age of 20 having a company car that sounds great <laughs> um so yeah that was that was kind of the path yeah. that I that I told I,
0: I, just to, the question I was going to ask as well because I, 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 it's been in my head was Stan was talking about maths so of the maths that you used in your design work and in the, the quantum surveying work, you know whatever. Um, then I, 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 is is the maths that you taught at school directly relevant to that, or is it actually just numerical stuff that you're doing, just simple calculations?
1: Do you know what? There there are elements of it. Um, I when I it was probably within the first six months of me um, sitting down to um, to do, kind of do a course, the first training course. I was I was sat in a room with about six or seven kind of senior design engineers, and we were learning about Hazen-Williams formula. So Hazen-Williams formula is the calculation of um, effectively the movement of water in pipes, and it's the long and short of it is how you calculate the size of, and distribution of a sprinkler system. Um, and I found it that easy because I'd come from school and I'd learned this stuff at school and and there were people there like my manager who was sat next to me at the time copying from me and I was like (laughs) why are you copying from me you should know this this is this is fairly basic maths but that was I would say that that kind of situation is the only situation that you would apply um you know the kind of more advanced mathematical formulas to things and you know with the programs that are used today it's all automated so it's not something you necessarily need to know um but yeah i'd say general day-to-day it's it's just your general general maths general
0: right so the the follow-up sorry stan but the follow-up question for me is about well what are young people coming with at the moment are you employing people in your business you know i mean it's not just young people is it it's You may have re retrainers and whatever you know. People getting out of one business coming into another, but do they have sufficient maths knowledge or do they have the the skills that you're looking for in your business? Um, Because we've spoken to other business leaders and they're saying, well, some of that softer stuff, which really is really important, basically getting on with people and knowing how to present yourself, all of that is a problem because some some people don't have that. You know, so what's the situation for you?
1: Uh, I would say from from my experience, the younger people are um, are good with with basic English basic maths. Um, there seems to be um, from what we're finding, we've just employed someone this this year within the last six months who um, probably should have gone on to higher education very very intelligent guy. Um, he did really well in school. he got A's and B's. He did really well at A levels, got A's and B's, but didn't want to go to university because he was looking at his um, his friendship group and his friendship group was the reverse of the situation of mine where they, they all had trades. And he was like, well, they're all, they're all buying houses now and I don't know what I'm going to do when I go to university um, and I don't want to be, end up in a situation where I'm three or four years down the line and I still don't know what I'm, I want to do. And they've moved on. You know, buying houses, things like that. And and I'm stuck in a similar position. So it's interesting how that's changed. But I'd say from my experience, the the you know, generally people within the industry that I work in, it's a mixed bag. Right. I'd say, you know, there's there's some people who surprisingly they can, you know, very good at the jobs, but don't have that basic kind of level of um literacy and yes. um yeah, arithmetic, I suppose, in general.
0: Right, right. It's it's because it's we talk a lot about this, about the suitability of what children are, you know, the appropriateness of it uh, at school and how it's applied. Um, but it's 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 good to hear this positive story about different routes for people to take. Stan, you were going so to say. The,
2: the problem is we've got a, a, a culture, I suppose, for of a better word. In this country, that you, to be successful in the education system, you need to get to university, and that's a marker for how how well you have been educated. And it's simply not true, is it? It's it, but it's I suppose there's an element of of uh, snobbishness about it. I went to university. I didn't. You know, I went to an apprenticeship. Oh, was that because you couldn't get to into university? That that's the the sort of downside of it but i look round at my colleagues now and the ones who went straight into work at, at 16 seem to have done a lot better <laughs> than the ones who who spent 3 or 4 years at university and that was before you you built up a huge debt at university mm-hmm. i mean there's that part of it that you've missed out and altogether chris look. exactly
1: exactly and i i would say that it's um you're right you you're 100% right in terms of the the you know when I, when everyone was going to university and i was going to parties and social occasions where people were asking what university are you are and i was like oh i didn't go to university i I did an apprenticeship there was an element of what you know <laughs> is that because you couldn't go to university and um it, yeah there's it, it, definitely that that side of it but i think that for, for me personally it's not I don't feel like I'm in a situation that I've done better than if I you know than people who've gone to university but I don't feel like I'm in a situation that i'm I'm worse I mean, it's just kind of it's a different route to get to the same to the to the same place essentially um and that's not to say you know when i when I did my apprenticeship I also went to college as well so you know you get um I did like NvQs and HNCs and things like that and it was only the um I wanted to go on and do a um a foundation degree. Um, and it was only my, the company that I worked for at the time said you've kind of done too too longer right. at college doing the four years. We don't want you to to take any more time out doing it. Right.
0: Oh, um, okay. Well, what's caught your eye this
1: week, Chris? Um, so for me, it's the um, it's the the Saudi Arabia football league um, and the players going over there, and it's just interesting that um, the kind of the the spotlight that's put on it um from a footballing world it seems like you know if teachers or construction workers were going over to to the middle east that there's uh you know that there wouldn't be that as much of an uproar but um for some reason the um the football world gets highlighted yeah I, I get that it's in the media and things like that but there's also a part of me that thinks that there's an element of you know potential tribalism with the football community that that kind of highlights this from you know we're not owned by a middle eastern company your team is therefore it's wrong it's yeah it's a it's a it's a very difficult situation to yeah. to navigate
2: i think what's interesting in that is if if um, i have met teachers who've gone um to the far east to to teach your sort of concern is is that the right place for you are you sure you'll be happy in in those circumstances in those conditions it's not are you making a moral judgment by going? Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's about their um, sort of welfare, but when it comes exactly. to footballers, it's immediately you're just going, you know, breaking the moral ground because you you're after more money.
1: Yeah, I, but I get you know, the, the role models footballers, I get, I get that side of it. it is, you know, they people do look up for them and they are influential members of society. That's that's how it works, especially with like social media and things these days. Um, but there's still a side of me that thinks that there's you know that if it wasn't for the fact of the, the football tribalism, would it be as highlighted as much? Um, you know, potentially, potentially not. It's it's a difficult like I said, it's just one of those things that cross my mind and
0: yeah
1: barely fathom an answer.
2: What's interesting in, in Japan and Korea and places like that, that they follow footballers. Rather than teams, yeah. so they're yeah. they're fans of footballers. So I suppose if if you go down that route, then it doesn't make any difference where your footballer plays. Yeah, as long as they are playing and being successful. That's and it. I wonder yeah. If 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 the kind of move that we've had in this country to fantasy football has has actually started to grow, that because I've come back from matches where play where people who are um United fans in my case are saying, Oh well I wanted what's it to score against us because he's in my fantasy team. Fantasy league. <laughs> well, you know, so I don't mind us winning three three two if, if one of the other teams
1: so, some people get really into it though. It is it is one of those things that um yeah some people yeah, I mean, uh, get really into
2: it. You know you put the radio on coming coming out of the game, getting in the car, put the radio yeah, on yeah. and they're saying who was the assist? Who assisted him? Yeah. <laughs> Listen,
0: listen to the results yeah i i, I for somebody um I, I think it's interesting though that uh why are they being drawn to Saudi Arabia or well, to the middle east i suppose the thing for me is um i support south end united um we are been in the high court for non payment of ta- of mm. of tax um we we've had players that have not been paid we've had um we we can't hold matches at Roots Hall because we haven't paid I say we, but the comp the business hasn't paid the um medical staff. It hasn't watered the the pictures. The the ground itself now looks completely derelict. And and we've got very, very wealthy people, you know, who are going off, already millionaires, going off to Saudi Arabia to earn even more money. You know, um and actually that reinvestment of their time, it's not about their money, but their investment of their time into a community like South End. I'm not suggesting Jordan Henderson come and play for South End, but you know, putting some of that back, I think, you know. It might we, happen that though. I, was... I
2: agree with you there, Chris. I was just gonna say the same thing. I, I think there is a degree of that, but it doesn't make headlines. No. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't make good Good back pages, yeah. when footballers are doing positive things.
0: Yeah, so I, I feel you know that we're at our lowest step because we we're in the national league. Um, I remember in was it two thousand and six or seven or so we went to Stoke City. We were top of the or well, second in the championship. Yeah, um, we we haven't fallen as far as Stockport have, but but actually we you know we are in a, a really perilous position. So hearing this, it really sort of. It's a bit of a bit of grit, really, in the machine for me.
1: It's. It, I think it's something that. I mean, it's difficult to kind of try and say hold on hope with that, but I think that we, we're going to get to the to the stage where, especially these football players who are going to the Middle East and they're going to come back with more money than they'll ever need. Mm-hmm. There's going to have to be some kind of reinvestment into things, um, and you know, the, the I suppose the 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 thing that they might end up doing is similar to what's happened with Wrexham where you yeah. buy a kind of non-league club that needs, that's been run to the ground and you build it up. And it, I would hope that that's something that we see more and more, um whether it's from football players, whether it's from kind of celebrities who, who, who do have this excess money, because it's, like I said, it's a community. It, the, the football, especially like the lower end football clubs, they're they're community yeah. um, teams, yeah. and uh, that 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 you can see it with Wrexham, that little bit of investment that's been put in has had massive. Well, they, they're in they the states in the next Salford week. City, to play right? United,
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. Salford City, Salford were one yeah. of the few cities in a <clears throat> <throat> uh, top grade mm. football team. And and that is footballers that have put the money into. it. I know some some uh, Spanish guy millionaires put quite a bit in, yeah. but it, it, that's lifted that that team. I, I don't say they'll ever get playing Premiership football, but from a team that was um, nowhere, mm-hmm. it, it's really promoted. And the thing that I liked about it when they took over, because there was a lot of bad press about these arrogant young you know United players doing this is the the people who got who had season tickets before they took over they they let them have the season tickets and they don't charge or they weren't charging them for a season yeah. ticket as loyal supporters right so they had free access to uh, for life basically yeah.
0: well what's caught my eye because we've, we've been chatting for over 30 minutes um is um we have week after week complained about Ofsted and uh <coughs> Um, And actually, there is a story running at the moment which I could go down, but I'm going to praise Ofsted today. So um, Ofsted have published, although I I tried to go on their website to see it, but I I can't find it. But they apparently have published a review of the progress being made on T-levels, these technical qualifications, um, which are meant to provide sort of 40 odd days of work placement and are meant to be at the same level as A-levels. Have you heard about them, Chris? No, I haven't. No, no uh, I haven't that, heard that that is one of the criticisms of the report, um, but yeah. also the fact that um, the the dropout rate amongst students is very high, and uh, and and I think there's a a reason for that. It, there is. They looked at uh, a number of these uh, uh, technical qualifications, one of which was around digital, and I know that in uh, Blackpool Blackpool Fire College have a very successful digital T level program. And some kids who went on their work placement have been snapped up by the business, so they said, "Oh well, I'm not going back because they're basically in the arms of the company." So, the, you know, we need to look a little bit more at the dropout rate. It might be a dropout rate because they've actually found work, you know, which might be great. But things like uh, teachers not really understanding the program, technically not able to deliver on those aspects because of A-level standard. The teachers themselves are struggling to provide the sort of quality teaching that they need in order to reach that level. Also, a sense that the businesses themselves are not sort of—they feel disappointed because it—it it was meant to be the big thing and it's not happened. And the one thing that has happened is that they've they've eaten into the BTECs and um, the the general vocational um, qualification, and uh, and that route was really important for. Children who had had sort of poor starts in life were either, you know, new to the country or whatever, you know, but whatever the reason is, there was a route for them through that. And so the T levels don't quite fit that bill. So, you know, I feel as though Austin are saying now, you know, for heaven's sake, just hold fire on stopping these BTECs that you're culling until you've had a chance to establish the T levels more. Um, and, and, We've said before, we feel as though Ofsted have been, in a way, sort of, well, cuddling up to the government. But this report is probably where Ofsted needs to be in the future, really calling out poor practice, poor policy, and letting people know about it. So, you know, let's end the year, Stan, with well done to Ofsted. Thought we'd never say that. (coughs) Well, for at least that one report.
2: I was going to say, I'll... uh... I'll not necessarily uh, no, no on that no, no, because no, no. I, I think you know if if anything this week Ofsted had another chance to say you know we're we're concerned yeah. about teachers' welfare therefore we won't inspect in the last week of term and they've blown that
0: they? yeah yeah and also you know the, the it's likely that the you know a a new chief inspector is going to be somebody who has has got less than sort of secure evidence about doing the right thing in the right way. Um and that's from our standpoint. Probably he would argue differently. But um okay. Um also before Wait, we can finish you ask Chris,
2: what, what your t shirt is.
0: Mine. Yeah. Okay, I picked this up in Madrid. Uh no in Malaga. Uh and it's it's um because Ma- where we stay in Malaga near the the port we go every year and the um we stay in the same hotel which overlooks the Malaga ball ring so i went into a, a shop uh, every time i go i buy a t-shirt from the place we've been even if i've been to Malaga loads of times which i have but this is a map of bulls and actually the places where there is you know bullfighting going on around the world and not that i'm a fan of bullfighting i've never been to it you know i've read uh, death in the afternoon by Ernest Hemingway if you haven't read that folks it, you know if you want a graphic read about what that is like you know then that's that's the book to read but yeah i'm not a supporter of it but it was just looks a really nice colourful t-shirt
2: I, I just wondered if a load of bull was was representative of, of, of... <laughs> it probably sums up <laughs> sums up my contribution
0: to the back <laughs> of that chat this year um but also, uh, Chris before we finish you you, you yeah. mentioned that you're you've got, um, you've got a, a digital startup business as well so yes. do you want to just explain how you how you, you know what it is I think I know what it is but do you want to tell, tell others
1: yeah so so it kind of came about when I was uh, a project manager um, for companies and um, what what we found is I moved from you know one business to another business to another business and the issue that i found was that the kind of systems that were in place um just weren't very efficient and and from what i could find from researching online there wasn't really anything um available for what i was after and the issue was was effectively placing orders so like as a project manager you would place orders for for a project for materials like in construction materials to be delivered to site and um, what you would find is that the guys on site would ring you at a certain time of the day and say, "I need this, this, and this." But tomorrow, you would then have to write it down. You'd then get an email open. You'd send an email to the supplier with all of the things on, and you'd find somewhere along the way there was a mistake. You know, either from what the guys had, had put down, what you'd wrote down on the on the on the piece of paper, and what you'd put on the uh, on the um email so essentially um i came up with the solution of having a um an app or a, or a platform where effectively the guys can request things from materials from site it goes through to um to the people in the office they can approve it and that was kind of a basic idea and then it's kind of taken a bit of a life of its own because we've realized that well, actually, what we're doing is we're storing all of the supplier data. So, like, we were finding that, like I said at previous companies, you would have suppliers who would give out agreed rates for products, but that agreed rate list would be kind of just thrown in the back of a, you know, of the the the, um, the server that no one would ever look at. And we'd I, I I did some research, and and there was like three project engineers who had ordered the same material and you had three different prices for it and we were like why is how is how is that a thing and it's just because you know maybe the the supplier liked this person more or maybe they hadn't applied uh, the 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 rate that was needed to it it was there were, there were so many factors so yeah the system now is um it kind of manages an overview of the uh, it still does the the basics that we wanted it to do with the approval rating um but um effectively it manages the project finances. So you can uh, basically assign you know categories to your to your to your spending, um, you can set budgets within those categories, you can um you know find out if a project's done well, a project's done poorly, if your project's done well but you've overspent on I don't know, hype work or brackets. There's 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 a whole factor to it. There's a whole you know different factors to it. Was but yeah, it called, we, we what's it called? It's called Onso on so, yeah, it's it's short for on site orders. Oh, but yeah, so. we found we found. I, I contacted you, Frank, uh, yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. Now we um, when we launched, when we first did the pilot launch, we found we were getting inquiries from basically different sectors. You know, we were getting it from schools, from restaurants, care homes, um, who all all had the similar issue. So, like the schools issue, for instance, was uh, a head teacher rang me and said. Um, I you know I run a private school I've got teachers in different departments they're all buying the same books but they're all paying different prices for it and we need a way to standardize it yeah. and I was like well oh, this is this is kind of yeah. what the system does on a construction level we can you know we can do some tweaks to, to kind of make it suit from a from an education standpoint and we've we've kind of implemented some of those but yeah it's it's one of those it's very it's still very early stages we're we're uh, currently uh, going out for investment we're meeting with with some people at the minute. Um, yeah, and just seeing, seeing what happens with a, it.
2: Are local authorities <clears throat> interested? What was that, sorry? Are local authorities interested at all? Well, that,
1: that's something that we're going to explore. Because There's a whole range of um, possibilities I with it.
2: You, I, I had a great fallout with in one local authority when I was having some work done in the offices to find out how much it was costing to put tracking round and electric points for computers, and i said how have you got to that ridiculous price and they said well it's priced at somebody coming in and fitting one plug (laughs) so the price is you know it takes half a day for a man to come in a woman to come in fit the plug and go and there's the cost of the plug and so if you want 50 putting in we just multiply that by that's it
1: that's 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 how um, from a construction standpoint, that's how a lot of estimating is done. Um, it is it is kind of as basic as that. There's an, a there's a, a rate that's applied. You know, we do it we do it in sprinklers, for instance. There's a sprinkler head. There's a rate that's applied to that sprinkler head, and you multiply it by the amount of sprinkler heads that are required, and that's kind of your price. The issue you have though is that at the end of the project, there's no real way to dissect that information. So, like I said before, you might have had a project that you've done really well on um financially but you've overspent on a certain category and you've underspent on a on a different category so from your estimating point of view you are you, you're not getting a true reflection because you've got these rates that are kind of bundled into you know to your price points effectively um that nobody really un- understands that. I've had this conversation with many companies. I've said I've, I've questioned it. I've said, where are you getting these rates from? And the kind it is kind of a bit finger in the air. It's kind of we don't really know how much we're going to spend on this. Um, but it'll roughly be around this. And then we'll we'll figure out if it works at the end of the job.
2: Yeah. But when when there's no money <laughs> in local authorities to to hear somebody in in the building <clears throat> part of it say for instance i was looking at having a studded wall built yeah I told me the price and then i nearly fell on the floor with the price and i said well you know tell me where you get that price well there's a day for them to bring the materials on site yeah a day for them to clear the site yeah and probably two days to build the <laughs> well that in my experience would take half an hour
1: yeah
2: and so yeah. You thousands of pounds for something that's it's just not
1: yeah, but, yeah I know. but like I said, it's the, the the reason for that is because of the fear. It's because on some jobs it takes longer, and in some jobs it doesn't take as long. But yeah. there's no real that's the problem that I find with the construction industry in general. There's no dissection into why that mm. is. So, what they do is they cover it in this like this, this, this figure, essentially. It's a
0: sort of worst case scenario, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <clears throat> but, it, but, yeah, it's a, it's 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 a very strange. Um, yeah,
0: just to plug it though, Chris, like, your new app resolves some of those issues.
1: It does. It does. That's what we're hoping that yeah. it does. Well, we've got we've got um, <coughs> we've got a number of companies who use it. We've got construction companies in Scotland, uh, Essex, basically up and down the country who are using it. Would
2: it would be nice if your software for the um, purchaser. Could 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 run all that and say no, you're really overcharging me on this and that. I yeah. want I want those cut down.
1: Yeah, and that, that and that's it. It's um yeah, but that, that's the that's kind of the other side of it is the um the, what we've done is we've allowed you the people who are pricing the jobs to effectively see what the actual prices are for things. So yeah. if you if you have overspent on something. You've got a reason for it. You can actually Mm. use that information, the analytics and the data, to to find out the reason. It isn't just, we overspent on this job and we don't really know why, which is what I'm a big big advocate of is the data, using data to kind of drive, you know, everything going forward.
0: Okay, well um been a really interesting chat i never thought we'd get on to purchase orders as part of the Pakistan <laughs> chat but I'm, I'm pleased we have um thanks so much for joining us chris um and uh, it's a shame i won't see you over the weekend but uh, um, no, i'll see you at the event uh at the beginning of september yeah. um, and stan our last one of the year so yeah keep going like, mate. keep going
2: excuse, <laughs> excuse me there we go. it's like the end of term where you, you keep on going and keep on going as soon as the school you, holidays start you're ill you get a <laughs> cold like yeah absolutely this has been the one too far for, for <laughs> my health. anyway for those people, personal, Chris. <laughs> uh, for, uh,
0: for all those people <laughs> who, who listen and watch these chats every week we're really grateful that you do and we're also very grateful for the feedback we get um and ideas as to who we ought to be speaking to next and uh, as it stands, we are now booking into February 2014, uh, 2024. So we're definitely running on um, into next year. Uh, we've got a, a, a fantastic array of people joining us each week. So there's each week we've got it as a guest. So uh, thank you everybody. And uh, it just leaves me to say cheerio until September, Stan.
2: Yeah, see you in the other other side of the holidays. Yeah, and thank you, Chris. Thank you you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been really good. Thank you. It's been our
1: pleasure.
0: Thank you.